Good morning. Joining me now from somewhere near Harlem, Minnesota, is Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I uh, It's a, another beautiful day, and I want to thank everybody at the Freeborn County Fair. A lot of listeners of KMSU stopped to say hi and had some uh, very nice visits with a lot of oh, good wonderful. folks. Uh, one was on a town board around St. Clair, just as I am on a town board here. So we had to talk about uh, all those inner workings that the only guys that have been on there for 30 years can, because <laughs> we can bring up, oh, I remember, remember when we just did that by paper and all that sort of thing. So I really enjoyed visiting with him. So, uh, Sue Yost uh, from the, she is with the health department, health department here in Freeborn County. And under the grandstand, she had to point out some barn swallows oh. to me. And I love barn swallows. And I talked to a couple young women there. They came and looked at them, and I said, those make great tattoos. <laughs> and they said, really? Why? <laughs> I said, because it's good luck. Swallows are good luck. So uh, one of them, you know, just to kind of appease me and make me think I was, she was actually listening to me, said she was going to investigate that and maybe get one. So wow. You sure know, next year at the uh, Freeborn County Fair, there's going to be a whole bunch of young people with swallow tattoos coming by <laughs> i think it'd be that, that a trend they are and i used to see them on occasion but oh. uh, back when people didn't have a whole lot of tattoos yeah and i think they would show me just because i'm a bird nut their sure. swallow tattoo but i haven't for quite a while uh laura cunningham uh, sent me some photos laura is from albert lee of the yellow crown night heron and some delightful videos of great egrets Marlene of Mankato said she saw wood duck babies jumping from a nest box, and it was just one of those thrills of a lifetime kind of thing. Uh, Dave Austin, who lives a rural route, Alden, said, I bet woodpeckers are real happy to learn that emerald ash borers have been seen in the in the area. And, you know, they, they probably are because it's going to provide some dead trees some uh, places for homes and also places for uh, other kinds of insects to come in that the woodpeckers are probably going to find appetizing. So they don't eat emerald ash borers is what you're saying then? Yeah, I don't know that anybody knows uh, yet Uh. if that's going to be a delicacy. I'm sure someone will certainly sample them, but whether it's going to be special on the menu item or on the menu, I don't know if that's the case yet, but I... I expect we'll be finding out the way it sounds. Uh, Bruce Gaudian of Hayward showed me photos of a bald eagle, a meadowlark, and a great horned owl. And I was wandering through the fairgrounds in Albert Lee, and I saw that he got a blue ribbon for, uh, for the bald eagle. And another friend, Virgil Tufson, who used to be from Heartland, and then he moved on to bigger and better things. But he entered a soybean plant in the competition at the, at the county fair, and he got a blue ribbon on that. So he'd always told me that his soybeans were blue ribbon soybeans, and now he actually has proof. <laughs> and he'd never entered anything, I don't think, in the fair ever until this. Uh, Todd Backley of Albert Lee saw some tiger swallowtail butterflies. He saw both black and yellow ones, as he described them to me. The male eastern tiger swallowtail is always yellow, as far as I know, but the females are sometimes black. Uh, John Holt, a, he's a retired pastor, 
So I don't know if they get a special title. He'll always be Reverend John Holt to me and just a wonderful guy. And he saw a yellow-crowned knight heron in Brookside Park in Albert Lee. Uh, Ken Nelson of Clark's Grove called, and he said, uh, where are my Baltimore Orioles? I don't have any Baltimore Orioles. Where'd they go? You know, in July, as Baltimore Oriole babies become independent, the parents begin molting their body and flight feathers. And some start to migrate even at the beginning of July, near the beginning anyway. So Hmm. some start leaving then. And then migration will peak in August and September. Uh, Birds steadily molt body and flight feathers, and uh, it ends pretty much the migration in the early part of September, as does the shedding of feathers. And most of these Orioles will reach their destination in the tropics of Central America or Northern South America by the end of October, although people will see some in Texas, but that's uh, where they're headed for the most part. Uh, James Radke of Manchester said lots of young grosbeaks this year, and he said it was really cool, and I had to nod and agree with him. Uh, Dr. Leo Scorin of Albert Lee said, uh, got an email from him, said, Al, good morning. I hope you're doing well. Boy, I am, Leo. Uh, Leo said, I was on my morning bicycle ride today going north on Lake Chapeau Drive in Albert Lee on the way toward the city arena. I came upon three sandhill cranes. I startled them, and they startled me. They were on the side of the road. They flapped their wings at me, impressive wingspan, and very tall, statuesque birds with spindly legs but did not fly off. They meandered into a freshly mowed hayfield on Hills Gardens property on the north side of Ruble Creek, which passes beneath Lake Shepo Drive. I am sure they were Sandhill Cranes, having seen them pictured in magazines, your description of them in the newspaper and on television specials regarding their migration through Nebraska. My questions are as follows. Is it typical to see Sandhill Cranes in our region? Yes, uh, it is. Uh, They do nest here. Uh, Why were there only three? Do they migrate in small groups but congregate in places like the Platte River region of Nebraska for mass migration? Are they already migrating south at this time of year? Nebraska is a bit west of our location. Would they not be more likely flying south through Dakotas? And a P.S. Al, your A Life Gone to Birds book states a hooting owl says the weather will be foul. We've had two hooting owls serenading us at night and early morning over the last few days. And we got rain. So. Oh. Uh, the cranes, sandhill cranes, winter in generally, if you take the whole sandhill crane population, they will winter in Texas, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Mexico. But the Minnesota DNR says that the cranes in northwest Minnesota belong to the mid-continent population, while those in the central and eastern Minnesota belong to the eastern population. So the eastern population, these are greater sandhill cranes that breed in Minnesota, winter in north and central Florida, and the mid-continent cranes, those are the ones up in northwestern Minnesota, they winter along the Gulf Coast of Texas. So that explains why their uh, migration route is 
different than it is in the spring when they come through Nebraska. Uh, Sandhill cranes mate for life, and the juveniles stick close by their parents for 9 to 10 months after hatching. During migration and in the winter, the family units group together with other cranes, and they form these loose roosting and feeding flocks that can reach into the many thousands. And during fall migration season, resident cranes that belong to the eastern population are joined by these other migrating sandhill cranes from the mid-continent population, so they can sometimes... uh, 10,000 cranes might congregate at several bird areas scattered between Minnesota's forest and prairie regions. So they can get into these large numbers before they ever leave Minnesota, and then they might split going to different places. Uh, The migration, they're not in it yet, Leo, but the migration lasts from early September through mid-November. And one of the great places, Minnesota has so many wonderful places, greater sandhill crane numbers at Sherburn National Wildlife Refuge. It's just, it's an amazing place to be. And they typically peak between mid-October and early November. So that would be, if somebody asked me, where, Alan, where is the primary destination to observe sandhill cranes in Minnesota in the fall? I would say Sherburn National Wildlife Refuge. Hmm. And then they say, well, where is it? Well, it's near Zimmerman. <laughs> and they say, where's Zimmerman? <laughs> it's about 30 miles southwest of St. Cloud, and I don't know what that'd be, 50, 50 to 60 miles north of the Twin Cities probably. Yeah. So it, it's not that far away. A Paul, oh, Paul, I'm going to butcher your name. I'm so good at butchering names. Karen, you do a great job on names. I just... Uh, <laughs> I make I them up. Know. You do, yeah? <laughs> yes. Boy, I am just uh, ham-handed when I try these. Paul Sukonek, I'm going to say, he was at Seiko Farm Woods and Fields in Steele County, and boy, I have no idea where that is, Paul, but he saw a black and white warbler. Uh, so we're seeing warblers already, and uh, who else? Gunnar Berg saw a Nashville warbler in Albert Lee. Uh, Bob Williams saw a common gallinule, uh, upland sandpiper, both in Sibley County, and then he saw a Bell's Vireo in Lesseur County. Brian Smith of Sleepy Eye saw a white-rumped sandpiper at the Sleepy Eye, water treatment plant, and he also saw a Henslow Sparrow in Stark Township in Brown County. Dave Bartke in Lesseur, he saw a buff-breasted sandpiper, and in also one of those in Waseca County. So, and those, uh, a lot of these birds that I mentioned here would be considered rare this time of year. Uh, Diedrich Benz in Lesseur County saw a uh, Henslow Sparrow, so some Great birds out there to see. Uh, somebody asked, uh, you were talking about butterflies one week, Alice, being pollinators. Mm-hmm. Are butterflies good pollinators? You know, the, the other night I was out, and it was kind of a muggy night, and I was enjoying fireflies, the sky. It was like fireworks. They were just everywhere. And sometimes they go way up in the air, and then you see so many down in the ditches. 
and they're a light show, and they are pollinators. We don't think of fireflies as being pollinators, you know, but they're they actually, are. I think they're pretty good bugs, too, because I don't think they really damage anything in your yard, which is no. why I, I kind of like them, and you see them in the day, and if you don't recognize them, you might think, oh, bad bug, but get to looking at them so you don't hurt those little ones because they're fun. And they're kind of a cool-looking, kind of dark blackish yeah. on the back, and some have a reddish-orange red head, mm-hmm. and they're nice things to see, and I love them. I think everybody loves fireflies. I know it's given somebody probably the creeps just <laughs> thinking about fireflies, but for the most part, we love fireflies. So they are they are pollinators, and butterflies are pollinators. But if we think about butterflies, they have limited contact with pollen compared to Oh, they're not as effective as bees, beetles, and even flies, probably, but they still are pollinators. Uh, maybe just not as good at it as some of the other creatures that spend time in those areas. Now, but, do you know what I've seen come back now, and this is every year on my hydrangea tree, is thousands and thousands, I want to say maybe they're soldier beetles, or there's little kind of orangish-reddish things, oh, yeah. and they come back by the thousands, and they just breed on hydrangea trees for whatever reason that seems to be their number one area i don't think they harm them otherwise but they just gather just in the thousands are are these uh, kind of the um elongated yellowish one with brown markings on the back they oh maybe these are more i thought they were more reddish but so i think it's something different maybe maybe because the soldier beetles i see are usually the goldenrod Soldier oh. beetles, and we'll, you will see them on milkweed and everything are else. Are these uh, perhaps box elder bugs then? Or? That's um, the box elder bugs would sure be red. That yeah. could be them then. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of them I've seen. I'm seeing quite a few of them this year too, so it sounds like it's a good year for box elder beetles and our bugs, and um, I'm happy to have them. You know, anybody that will hang around me, I'm just happy to have them there. So I say, hey, hi, guys, how's it going? I was just talking to a jackrabbit. Or it, he's not a jackrabbit. I don't see jackrabbits anymore, so I call the one bunny that's pretty tame here. I call him Jack Bunny. <laughs> And so he's he's an honorary jackrabbit, I guess. Oh, here's a great question from a listener. How long can I leave my hummingbird feeder out before changing the water? Oh, there's a that's a hot topic, you know. The mm-hmm. National Audubon Society says in hot weather, the feeder should be emptied and cleaned twice per week. In cooler weather, maybe once a week is enough. Perky Pet, who makes hummingbird feeders, says... During hot weather, change it every two days. In milder weather, once a week is fine. So those two are pretty close to the same. Mm -hmm. Smithsonian says change feeders every other day and thoroughly clean them each time to prevent harmful mold growth. So they're pretty close to the same. And the Cornell Lab of Ornithology says change sugar water every three to five days to prevent mold and deadly fermentation. And more frequently when it's over 90 degrees outside, clean feeders at least once a week with hot water and a bottle brush. Don't use soap or detergent. Oh, really? No soap or detergent? See, I was wondering about that. Yep, that's what the Cornell Lab. So they're all kind of the same, but you know... I don't know, every, it just depends, you know, when it's 60 degrees. But if that water gets kind of a cloudy look to it, 
then you need to get it out of there. Cause, and I, I know, as I mentioned before, if you wouldn't drink the water out of a hummingbird feeder, then it needs to be changed. <laughs> it's kind of a thing to go by. So you can look at it and say, I don't believe I would drink that, and then get it out of there. Uh, Molly Miller said, evidently five broods are the charm. I've been watching a red-bellied woodpecker nest, which is the fifth nesting I've seen in the last three years. I finally got to see one of the nestlings fledge. It was not a thing of beauty, but it was awesome. It dropped like a rock, and then it got some lift as it flapped out of the tree area. It flew, sort of, south along a tree line, trying to steer into the trees, but it was rebuffed by the wind. It flapped some more and flew into a branch of leaves and just caught onto the branch end. After pausing to regroup, it flew or hopped to the tree trunk. Once on the trunk, it just started hitching itself up and around just like it had been doing it for years. It went up a dead branch, got to the top, and quick flew back to the main trunk. It continued on its upward ascent until I lost it in the leaves. That is cool. They are, they're really pretty birds. They, they have kind of a gray head when they're that age, so they don't have any red on there yet, but uh, we'll soon acquire it. Do uh, uh, Minnesota doesn't get any periodical cicadas, Al, but does Iowa? Hmm. Uh, yes, Iowa does. Uh, they don't get this brood 10 that uh, made all the news, but they get broods 3, 4, and I believe it's eight. So they get three broods of the 17-year cicadas. And I know they get brood 14 of the 13-year cicadas. So what does Iowa. that mean, broods? Get? They're just uh, different hatch years. Oh, okay. So there's a number of them. Uh, several have gone extinct, the brood hatches, for one reason or another. Okay. And I know a lot of people have been following all the, uh, oh, the bird sickness and death out east uh, with the the cicadas out there, and they're trying to find a reason. And I don't know that they have it nailed down completely, but a lot of uh, scientists are believing that it some of it might be due to a fungus that the cicadas would bring up and also because of people spraying the cicadas. And uh, the deaths have kind of They've diminished greatly out there, thank goodness, of the birds. So it, it has to do with the cicada. They've pretty much narrowed it to that. And a lot of them had uh, stopped uh, orders to stop feeding birds because they didn't know what this disease was. So they did not want to gather birds in large numbers for fear that it was a great contagious disease. But this is what they're kind of thinking now, and I'm sure there'll still be a lot more study, and maybe they'll just be able to zero right in on it, I hope. Uh, I, 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 I enjoy you and Karen on KMSU. Well, thank you. We enjoy you listening to KMSU. I watched a rabbit eat dirt. Why was it doing that? Pika? <laughs> it, it is. Do yeah, they have really, pika, too? A, really? I, it's Yeah, on the practice of eating dirt, especially clay-like soils is called uh, geophagia. So it'd be just like that. And a common explanation is why animals and people eat dirt is that soil contains minerals such as calcium, sodium, and iron, which support vital biological processes. So we, uh, you know, is dirt good for you? I suppose if you need some help with your system, but 
you know, go to McDonald's, see if they're serving dirt. They're not. That's why it's just uh, uh, maybe not always a good thing. But rabbits, I have watched rabbits eat that, too. And squirrels sometimes, I think, will get down there and chew on some things. And then, of course, birds will get gravel and tiny rocks, but part of that is to uh, use it to grind up their food and well, their crop. Well, usually their... if if they do that in my yard, it's usually attached to a nice plant. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, uh, <laughs> they like they, to uh... dig it. I swear sometimes they just dig up plants for the fun of it. And is that how they play? It's like, oh, look, a, a new plant. Let's dig it up and play with it. Or why? I think it's in investigative behavior sometimes, don't oh, you? Where I they say, no I wonder idea. what's that. To, I don't like this end of the plant. Maybe I'll <laughs> dig up the other end and see, because a lot of times plants have really tasty roots. So I'll dig this <laughs> root up, and then I'll dig it up and say, eh, eh. Yes, it, yes, I don't like this either. So then they throw it down and move on to something else. But I think it's just kind of the way they explore their world and maybe find out what's uh, what is good eating out there. It's uh, speaking again with a fair. You know, those people they just they move down there and they graze. They just kind of go from one. To, they got forty-eight booths there and vendors, and they just go around from one to one and and mark down what they like. And then the next year they can uh, concentrate a little bit more. But uh, it, you know, fairs are uh, kind of a interesting place to try different foods. Did you try anything interesting this year? I know you've been, well, Freeborn for I don't know which other ones you've gone to, maybe others. Have you discovered anything new? You know, I have three things that I have to eat. There's one called Bruno's Corn Dog. I have to have one of those a year with mustard on it. And, oh, I don't know what's in those things, but they're addictive. And then I have to have a box of Merrill's popcorn. When I was a kid, they had two theaters downtown Albert Lee. The Riverly was the one and the Broadway. So I'd go to these theaters because we went to movies a lot as, as teenagers. And I had a date with me. And we went in, and we watched uh, some bad movie, probably. And it came out, and there's Merrill's popcorn stand. So I'm going to go over and impress my date, our first date. So I go over, and I buy two boxes of popcorn. I didn't have enough money to pay for oh, the no. popcorn. So I said, Merrill, I'm sorry, man. i got to leave these here, because I didn't want to go ask my date <laughs> for to borrow money, because <laughs> then she'd say, what a loser this guy is. <laughs> so he said, You'll be back again, won't you? And I said, yeah. He said, well, come and pay me when you when you come back. So I took the popcorn with a big shot, handing her a box of popcorn. And the next movie I went to, before I went into that theater, I ran down and, and paid him for those two boxes. Whew, or you would have been banned forever. Yeah, and I get them at the fair, and they're just so oh. good. So I get one box of that, and then I have to have a malt, a malted milk, as we called them as kids. So that's kind of my fare. I have those three things. I sure. have them on three different days, so I don't uh, I have that one thing to look forward to food-wise each day I'm at the fair. And so you literally haven't tried anything new in a while, it sounds like. You know, I'm pretty happy with those okay. three. You all know men that are like that, yep. saying, why should I try a different kind of shirt or a different yeah. color shirt? I like this kind of shirt, and I'm just going to keep wearing it no matter what. Uh-uh. 
And uh, the the only way to get us to try other stuff, of course, is to give it to us free. Free. We'll say, yeah, we'll say, oh, yeah. And that's sample day at yes. the local grocery store. Oh, what a glorious occasion that is. <laughs> we just wander the aisles till we find the sample lady and, and walk over there and don't say a word, you know, about what you got because you know she will tell you because that's her job <laughs> is to promote that product. And she said, would you like to try something? And, well, I guess I could, sure. They give you that little tiny sample there, sometimes with a little wooden spoon, a little plastic dish, and, oh, it's all good, whatever it is. And then you have to listen, say, and, and these are on sale today for only $1.98. And you say, oh, yeah, maybe I'll check that out. Well, you can get some here. Well, i got to go get my cart and everything. And Chris, you yes, you them. never come back, right. No, and I feel guilty about it, too. <laughs> sure. But... I uh, hope everybody gets to some fairs. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's great fun wandering around the fairs, and you get to see all the animals and foods and rides and everything. But the greatest part is is people. Oh, you people watching is people now. As we speak, of course, we pre-recorded this. I will be at the Nicollet County Fair. It's the 150th anniversary of the Nicollet County Fair, and my kids are in the North Cato Explorers 4-H. So it's 4-H week that, and I take the week off every year to do the 4-H because I was from a big 4-H family and uh, we no longer have any dairy. The kids did lease them for a few years, but now the only animals we show are the cats. They have the cat show on Sunday and then of course other projects as well. And, and it's just a lot of great fun to see how, how accomplished a lot of these, these kids are and the things they've done. I think back to when I did 4-H and I always tell the story how it's because of 4-H that I got into journalism and speaking and, being in front of people because my mom, when I was nine years old, she signed me up to do a speech in 4-H. Of course, that's the first year you can really join in 4-H back then. And it was the bicentennial year, and I did the speech on Betsy Ross and the flag, and I still have it memorized. I did it so many times. And I won the contest, and believe it or not, that was the impetus for me deciding I wanted to be go into writing and journalism. So it all goes back to nine years old in 4-H. We never know, yeah. Joey, what's going to set our life's path. I, You know, I wander into the livestock barns because I'm an old farmer. So I, I love going to the kitty barn and looking at all the baby pigs that were just born. And the poultry, oh, I could spend all day just wandering around the big poultry building. But I love going to the Creative Arts Floral Hall and the 4-H all the stuff the 4-H kids come up with, their ideas and their presentations and their posters and the things they make. And the one other thing I like is the um, bucket of junk. Bucket uh, of- everybody gets a bucket of junk with the same things in there, and then they create these marvelous creations out of a bucket of junk. Oh, where's that? The- I guess I'm not aware of that. That must be a certain fair because I haven't seen that. Yep, the Freeborn County Fair has it, and uh, we all go over and vote. Oh. And uh, this year I voted for the Junkosaurus. <laughs> it's a dinosaur made out of junk, and it's just uh, it's just amazing that oh. they weld them together, and it's incredible. I, one Neat. of my favorite things. Yeah, I like that. I want to thank everybody for, for listening to us. It's uh, It's a great honor to be listened to. No matter what we're doing, whether we're talking out on the street or doing this wonderful thing called radio. So thanks for sitting on the front porch with us. I remember going to fairs when I could first go to fairs all by myself, and I had an old pickup truck. 
and uh, pleasant memories, but I called the vehicle Bad Check. <laughs> bad Check because it had a tendency to bounce down the gravel roads. And I was thinking about that truck. I'm standing in this long line, and I get up there to the dairy building because they have ice cream. Ooh. And I was enjoying a single scoop of maple nut ice cream. My favorite. at the county <laughs> fair. Oh, I love maple nut. Yeah. And I watched a young woman toss the base of a cone into the garbage. And I said, what? And she told me she didn't like ice cream but. Ice cream cone butt, young lady. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, okay. I love ice creams that contain nuts. Maple nut, cherry nut, and most of those that have pecans or pecans, as some folks might say. So there I was enjoying that ice cream cone. And on a hot day, ice cream is called cream. And I was, so I was bolting it down as quickly as I could before it melted when a friend, Tim Koss of Glenville, came up and told me that only old people eat maple nut ice cream i'll repeat that only what? old people eat maple nut ice cream oh my i ate it when i was a little boy i didn't protest because i knew i wouldn't win that one because i was too busy eating but i gave considerable thought to having the second scoop <laughs> remember folks heartlands while we're driving past thanks again for listening to us uh, do something wild today get out there and look at a bird and karen man good luck at the fair i hope you bring home just a, a bushel of wonderful ribbons and medals sounds good thanks al it's always great to chat with you until next week um the week after i guess happy bird watching thank you okay bye-bye bye-bye